Who's ready for the spoopiest time of the year? Hell yeah, let's get the spoopy going. Yeah. Some of us more spoopy than others, but... Oh, absolutely. We'll... We'll get into that. Welcome to Under the Bridge. Welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg. A.k.a. Greg. A.k.a. Greg, yes. <laughs> Great. So, at first I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to find anything big to talk about this week for gaming news. But, mm -hmm. uh, have you heard of our new Lord and Savior, Wiglet? <laughs> What's Wiglet? Well, you know Diglet, right? Yes. This is not a Diglet. Okay. It looks like a Diglet, but it is completely unrelated. That looks very phallic. Yeah, a little bit, huh? Yeah, and I do see, yeah, the face is a Diglet, that's for sure. Yeah, apparently Pokemon is playing around with the concept of convergent evolution, in that, despite the resemblances, this is not a regional form of Diglet. It has no relation. That's stupid. <laughs> that's how Are... crabs work. I mean, fair, but that's not a crab, that's a Pokemon. Yeah, one's a mole, one's an eel. No, why would they be related? <laughs> That'd be stupid, Greg. Hmm. That's like a fish turning into an octopus. <laughs> the joke is, that's a thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Remoraid turns into octillery. Of course, the actual motif is supposed to be gun in a cannon, but... Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. That's different, that's for sure. 100%. I like it. It's dumb as hell. <laughs> But it makes me smile. Fair enough. Anyways, the real big news, the Google Stadia shut down. Google Stadia is shutting down. I believe it's actually slated to be shut down by January. Yep, January 18th, 2023. Yes, and... They didn't tell anybody. No, they didn't. They just, like, kind of came out there. It's like, oh, yeah, Stadia? Yeah, it's gone. It, it's gone, guys. Like, no, no nothing. And meanwhile, they're sitting there like, don't worry, guys, we'll refund all the games and add-on content purchased and the hardware. And meanwhile, the developers are all sitting there like, that's not what we're worried about here! Yeah, no. Literally not even nobody. They didn't tell any publishers, any developers, or anything like that. So now there's a whole bunch of people playing Douse the Fire to the best that they can. Yeah, Ubisoft, Bungie, and IO Interactive, among others, are all working on ways for Stadia players to be able to bring their games to PC. And in the case of Ubisoft in particular, while I do have a very healthy number of problems with them, I will give them props for this, because that's good customer service. What has me concerned, I guess, more than anything, is all the like little extras that came with the Stadia, like the controllers in particular. Good luck. Yeah, what's going to happen to them? Are those going to be like updated to something so that they're like not completely useless or is it just going to be like a monumental waste of plastic that's presumably why google is willing to refund the hardware uh fair because those things are about to be as useful as a screen door in a submarine <laughs> i enjoy that this is a surprise only to the developers and the players because i feel like this should not be a surprise to anybody no it's I still don't really understand what the point of Stadia was, in all honesty. Me but, neither. They yeah. they were just like, hey, I got an idea. Let's make a console that doesn't play games. It streams them. Yeah. That's a terrible and, idea. Yes! Well, I mean, as much as I absolutely don't like cloud gaming, it's also one of those things where it's like, yeah, Microsoft and Sony do that, and they do it much better 
but they also have like the backing of an entire dang console to work with too. When the stadium was first announced and when it was outlined how it worked, that's like my my initial impression was, and t- and for the entirety of his lifespan was, this was one of those things where someone just wanted to do it because they could. It doesn't feel like there was any major thought put into like the long term of like how this is going to play out. No, of course not. Who? What? Online games already have enough of a lag problem. You want to throw a streaming latency in there? Yeah. Are you high? Apparently. Well, no, apparently their revenue is low, and that's why they're killing it. So, and that was kind of the other thing, too, that from what I understand, from launch until now, it just hasn't done well. Like, one of the games I play that I know is also on Stadia is a game called The Crew 2. It's an Ubisoft game. And one an update that they did in the last year was where they readjusted, like, the weekly challenges that they have so that the prizes for every tier of the challenges better represents the player base for a particular console. So, like, in the case of, like, PlayStation, the top 11,000 would get the top prize. In the case of Xbox, the top, like, 2,100 get the prize. Guess how many could get the top prize for the Stadia? Ten. A hundred. I was closer than I would have liked to have been. <laughs> That's still close enough, but it was one of those things where when I saw that bit of, of the announcement, I was just like, how does this make money? <laughs> Greg, I'd like to point out, my guess was only off by 90 people. <laughs> yes, that is a very small amount to be We're talking gaming system install bases. What is this? Yeah, that's really small. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is tragic, and I love it. It's very tragic. Uh, I definitely feel bad for all the people who put money into getting the thing to work. And all the people who put time into getting it to work. Yeah, that too. Everyone who was involved with the Stadia on a technical level, I, I, I feel for you. So, but yeah, not, it's one of those things where normally I would say it's unfortunate, but it really isn't. It's just not a surprise. I surprise, If there is anything I'm surprised by is that it took this long for them to kill it. Yeah. They were, pro- they were probably holding out to see if they could get things to go up once everything kind of calmed down. And when they mm-hmm. realized that it wasn't happening, yeah. eh, there it goes. Yeah, I don't know. It's just such a weird thing. Anytime I've heard the state of be brought up, it's like an afterthought. Like, I this or is a punchline or a punchline. So this is like one singular thing. So it's not at all like endemic of like any scientific evidence. But I work at a retro video game store, and we've had the most random video game crap come in. We've had Intellivisions, ColecoVisions, Vectrexes, Vectrex I, I don't know what the plural that would be. And even Vectrices? Like, Vectrices. <laughs> and even like weird accessories, Oculus stuff, PC games. like Vectrexen. Vectrexen. <laughs> um, weird PC games, niche PC games, PC games from the 1990s. There hasn't, even like things for like the whole like Steam box, like Valve console. I have worked at this store for three years and not once, not once have I ever seen something about Stadia either come into the store or get asked about. And when I, I had th- that job, I once had somebody ask if we took hoverboards. <laughs> <laughs> Two again. Drill that in. It's like I 
like I know it's not exactly like scientifically strong, but I feel like it's enough arbitrary evidence to be like, yeah, no one gave a shit about the Stadia. So what a shit show! Indeed, it's been a week of events. Some events were good. Some events were bad. Some were class action lawsuit bad. <laughs> oh boy, the best kind of bad. Yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery is facing a shareholder lawsuit, specifically claiming that they cooked the numbers of HBO Max subscribers in order to help facilitate the merger. Oh, really? Yeah, allegedly they lied upwards of as many as 10 million HBO Max subscriptions. Oh, oh, that's bad. <laughs> that's really yeah. bad. That's and a- after stock tank after stock tank, Mm-hmm. It sounds like the shareholders are starting to realize, wait a minute, this deal is getting worse and worse all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's not the kind of thing you lie about. That's that's what Twitter is in trouble for right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was it Twitter or was it Elon Musk? Uh, a bit of both. Okay. Yeah, I guess it came out that Twitter actually does have a lot of bot accounts, which isn't really a, su- a surprise that they didn't really, like talk enough about during the whole like Elon Musk shebang of Oh man! Why didn't you tell me this? I mean, I didn't know it was obvious to clock. <laughs> <laughs> My god. Where does the time go? <laughs> but yeah, no, that's honestly crazy. That's insane. That's really ballsy and not in a good way. Yeah, it sounds like what happened was they included, back when they were owned by AT&T, of course, mm-hmm. they included people who purchased AT&T bundles that came with HBO Max subscriptions, even though those subscriptions had not been activated. <laughs> Ugh, that's gross. Yeah, because that's a case of, well, okay, yeah, technically you gave that subscription out, but you're not making any money off it. Yeah, no, that doesn't count. But yeah, the proposed class action lawsuit was filed last week in New York Federal Court by the Collinsville Police Pension Board, which holds Discovery stock, and they're proposing to expand to other Discovery shareholders, since, mm. again, that stock is going down. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing it recover if this lawsuit goes forward, which, again, I see no reason why it shouldn't. Well, they might not need to worry about it, because it sounds like Zaslav's actual plan, and this is speculation, you know, because he said it's not happening, but, like, you can trust that. Yeah, no. A speculation abounds that the actual plan is to strip Warner Brothers down into a more manageable asset so he can sell it off to Comcast. That would... that's so much worse. <laughs> yep. Oh, okay, so... I mean, I figured it was already obvious, but I like to be optimistic. But at this point, I can definitely say this man has, like, no idea what he's doing. Or he does, and that's the even scarier part. Yeah, no. So, that's... tragic. <laughs> See, that's awful. <laughs> but hey, you know what? Warner Brothers isn't the only one pulling stupid boneheaded moves. Okay, good, so at least there's someone else to share the limelight with them. Yeah, you you know how an ongoing thing has been the cancellation of Batgirl and how absolutely fucking crazy it is to cancel a movie that's basically done that you spent $90 million on, right? Oh, absolutely. And, like, who'd be stupid enough to can, especially after all that outburst, who would be dumb enough to can an almost fully shot production? 
Warner Brothers. Well, no, Netflix, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, their adaptation of the comic Grendel is no longer moving forward, despite the fact that they shot most of the first season. What happened there? No clue. <laughs> Not a single idea. Okay, there must be some, like, secret behind-the-scenes dirt thing going on if you've got, like, most of your season shot and ready to go when it's like, nope, canceled. Yeah. Mm. But the producers do have the option to auction it elsewhere. Oh, that's better, I guess. At least that means it's not completely dead in the water. Yeah, and as I understand it, and bear in mind, I don't have a lot of research for this. Apparently, what Netflix will do sometimes is they will have the creators finance a project, like get a loan or whatever, to make something happen, and then pay them for it afterward. Hmm. So, if they are letting the producers for this project auction it elsewhere, that's probably what happened. The producers probably spent their own money on it, with the expectation mm -hmm. that Netflix would then buy it from them. Mm -hmm. And that apparently has not panned out. Hmm. Anyways, I don't know a lot about Grendel. It's a Dark Horse comic, and apparently its original run was about a guy who tried to stop organized crime and then just decided to run organized crime, and then it all went sideways from there. Hmm. See, that sounds like a good time. Yeah. It does sound interesting, and I hate the idea of something being basically shot and then not being able to see it. Yeah, no. It's 2022, there's no reason why any kind of lost media should exist in this modern day. It's yeah. one thing if it's older media, but, like, there's no reason why something that has gotten to that far stage of production shouldn't see the light of day. Yeah, I think we're at the point now where, because, like, back in the day, it'd be, like, you know, film and whatnot. If, like, if you lost the film, that was it. But now film is, like, I don't think it's, like, even a secondary backup. It's, like, a tertiary one at this point. If it's even on film. Yeah. So many of these things are shot digitally now that probably not even on film. Hmm. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff indeed. People, when you make things, stop wasting money and canceling them. Just let them go out. Or pull a ghost stories. Or, or yeah, pull a ghost stories. Just have somebody <laughs> dub over it in the worst way possible. Have someone just abridge your shit so it's like, alright, at least we made something out of it. <laughs> Very minor thing. When's the last time you saw a Tarzan movie? Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> What's the last... Huh. God, I don't even... I don't want to think about that. <laughs> it's been forever. Well, you might be seeing one within the next few years, because Sony Pictures has picked up the screen rights. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. Per The Hollywood Reporter, they're looking to do a total reinvention of the character and intellectual property. Currently, no writer, filmmaker, or producer are attached. That does not sound encouraging. <laughs> nah. Mm. Nah. It's Sony. What can you do? I mean, yeah. to their credit, though, Sony can make good stuff. Case in oh, point, yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm-hmm. That was a good time. That was a very good time. I really enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. And I can see where some aspects of Tarzan are probably going to need some touching up because, well... The the original stories are, uh... <laughs> yeah. 
but two and two together, people, uh, times have changed. They have not aged well. They're the kind of thing that if they were on Disney Plus, there would be a content warning. (laughs) (laughs) Assuming they made it on. Could just pull a song of the South. Oh, true, true. And just never let it see the light of day again. Yeah, or just be like, what What are you talking about? It's like, put it in the back, put it in the back, put it in the back, damn it! <laughs> put it in the basket! Yeah, it's like, it's like this is what we hire interns for. Huh. <laughs> we got an absolute roller coaster of Marvel news. Oh, yay. Yeah, I'll start with a small one, which is that we now have an inkling of Black Panther Wakanda Forever's runtime. Oh, which is? It is set to be two hours and 41 minutes long. Jesus. That would make it the second longest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie behind only Avengers Endgame. (laughs) I mean, considering what all that's going in here, I figured it's like, okay, this is not going to be like a short movie by any means, but holy crap. Yeah, I mean, Love and Thunder was under two hours and that movie was a steaming pile of garbage. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not saying more of it would have helped, but it yeah. might have. Hmm. 2.41, damn, alright. Yeah, and we'll get into what all that entails during trailer time, because we did get a new trailer this week. Yes, we did. But not just yet, we'll get into that later. Hmm. You were looking forward to Blade, right? Yes, I am, very Well, so. a little bit of a downside, it has lost its director. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah, apparently due to production schedule shifts, Bassam Tariq, and I apologize deeply if I mispronounce that, because I probably did, mm. will not be moving forward. He is staying on as an executive producer. Oh, well, I mean, that's better than nothing, but still not the greatest news in the world. And also not great, because the movie was set to start shooting in November. Yeah, that coming out November next year is not looking... Likely. Likely. Although, it could happen. This actually isn't the first time that Marvel has had to replace a director shortly around the start of principal photography. Mm. And the end result we got there was Ant-Man, so... Oh, really? Yeah, Jeffrey Wright left, like, right when Edgar Wright. I don't know why I said Jeffrey Wright. My God. (laughs) I was thinking of the Batman too much. (laughs) Anyways, Edgar Wright left Ant-Man right when principal photography was gearing up to start. Mm -hmm. And then they got Peyton Reed to replace him. And that movie was great. Yeah, that worked out very well. So, it's not the end of the world, despite what some naysayers might have you believe. I I am concerned. Mm -hmm. But I am still looking forward to this movie. Oh, yeah. And hey, there actually is something they might be able to replace it with, although the time frame's a little wonky. Okay. Armor Wars is no longer going to be a Disney Plus series. It is instead being developed as a feature film. Okay, remind me what Armor Wars was. Is... It's the War Machine thing, with the uh... Tony Stark's tech falls in the wrong hands, and now that he's dead, Rhodey has to go clean up his messes. Uh, I don't think I want that as a movie, though. I feel like you can cover a lot more ground with something like that being a miniseries. I don't know. I'm leaning towards a movie might be better just because I feel like a lot of these TV shows have not really made good use of their runtime. Hmm. It feels like a lot of these are 
two-hour movies that have been expanded into six hours. Well, five and a half hours. I refuse to call them six hours because the credits. Right. But it's still a matter of if it means we're getting a more streamlined, less bloated, more to the point story, I'll take a feature film. That's fair. Because, like, you look at Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Yeah. That was an alright show. Uh, I, I but... enjoyed it. But granted, I'm, I lean with a little bit biased towards anything Captain America, so... Yeah, and I mean, everything about Sam Wilson's journey to taking up the shield was great. Mm-hmm. But Bucky's subplot was undercooked. The Flag Smashers didn't really get the development they needed. There was no reason to have Zemo. And even John Walker's story arc felt like it was missing a reel. So you say no, there's no reason to have Zemo, but I think there I, was no, a Don't you give me the dancing scene. <laughs> That's exactly don't where I was going. Don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> the Zemo dad dance was like, alright. That guy's... was great. They didn't need to have it. <laughs> Damn All it, right? you caught me. <laughs> yeah, you thought you were being slick, huh? You thought you were going to get it past me, huh? It's <laughs> just a little bit. Oh, I wasn't going to see it coming. You thought it was like Persona 5. You'll never see it coming! <laughs> oh, God almighty. I regret that I did that. <laughs> so let's talk about the Wolverine in the room. Okay, so this is actually, of all like the casting reveals, I think this is like very much up there as one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Especially because I I never would have expected in a million years. Yeah, because I could have sworn I remember seeing or hearing something about how Hugh Jackman was like, he didn't have any problems like doing Wolverine. He was just like, okay, I think I've done everything I can with this character. Yeah, for those who may not be up to speed yet, let's tell you about it because that's the whole reason we do this. It has been confirmed that Deadpool 3 is going to feature Hugh Jackman returning as Wolverine, and is set yes. for a September 2024 release. Oh, okay, so we still have a couple years on. Well, granted, I, the movie just started filming, didn't it? I don't know if it even has started. Uh, it probably came close to starting, I think. We'll see. Mm. But, yeah, no. It's funny, because it has been said, I think by Ryan Reynolds... That Deadpool 3, before Disney bought Fox, was originally pitched as a buddy road trip movie with Wolverine. (laughs) So we might still be getting that after all. Okay, that sounds like fun. And as sick as I am of Wolverine as a concept, and as much as I'm looking forward to moving on from the Fox X-Men fiasco... Mm Hmm. If there's anywhere for him to pop up where I don't mind, it's in a Deadpool movie, because he and Ryan Reynolds get along well, and Ryan Reynolds has been pushing for getting Hugh Jackman's Wolverine in these movies. So, yeah, why not? Yeah. No, I, I have zero issues with this. And, like I said, the the announcement of it was great, because it, it's a very funny video on Twitter, I think on literally Ryan Reynolds' Twitter, where at the end of it, Hugh Jackman's just walking behind him in the back of the house, and he's like, hey, Hugh, are you in? And he's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. You want to come back and play Wolverine again? <laughs> sure thing, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, all right, that's that's pretty great. Like, I, 
I don't even think it's like marketing. I think it was just like something like, hey, do you want to just make a funny video that'll freak out a bunch of people? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I like the idea that Deadpool did this without Kevin Feige's express permission, but the Marvel <laughs> snipers can't get him because he'll just regenerate. Oh, yeah. What a good time. <laughs> now, this does pose some questions. Most prominently, does this mean that when they say Deadpool 3 is an MCU film, do they mean it takes place in that multiverse? Or does that mean that Hugh Jackman is this universe's Wolverine? Or does this mean this is set mostly in the Fox universe, but there's going to be a backdoor to let Deadpool end up in the MCU when all is said and done? Or are they just not going to bother explaining it at all? Because that could also happen. I mean, since the movie is actually going to be Deadpool 3, very much implying a continuation from the Fox movies, I would expect it to be something where it at least starts in the Fox universe and then comes over to the MCU somehow. Well, uh, see, you say that, but the thing is, they could have very easily, and still could, I suppose, have Deadpool 3 start with Deadpool sitting at a desk wearing Mickey Mouse ears going, Okay, I know this is all very confusing, but let me try to make sense of it. Here's what's still canon. Me, Vanessa, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, because who gives a shit? We still got Cable, I know that's gonna be a little confusing, but if Gemma Chan can do it, so can he. Here's what's different. Everything else. Hell, I'm not even sure the first two movies happened. There you go. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. Boom. Still, it is nice to have updates. It's nice to have a release date. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is that the September 6th or September whatever 2024 release date was originally set for February before they moved it back, implying that it was, in fact, Deadpool all along. Dun, 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 dun. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm not apologizing. Nor should you. So that's neat. I wonder if Hugh Jackman was a new addition, and that's why they had to push it back? Or if it's... they were planning it, and then a, and then some kind of sticky situation happened. Or maybe it's completely unrelated to Hugh Jackman's casting. Yeah. I guess we'll get more as it develops. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that bit of news by itself was definitely, like, no matter what, making the movie even more interesting than it already was. And watching Internet Man Babies get mad because this ruins the ending of Logan. Shut up. I mean, was Logan even really related that much to the previous films? It's supposed to be because the entire thing that makes Logan quote-unquote work as an emotional experience is your attachment to Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and Patrick Stewart's Professor Xavier. Hmm. Assuming you don't give a fuck about any of the other X-Men. <laughs> I, I mean, granted... I think Logan was one of maybe two or three of the X-Men movies I've seen in full, but even from start to finish, I was like, alright, this is... I'm enjoying every second of this, but the only similarities are the people playing the respective characters. Otherwise, with how everything was set up, I kind of, in my brain, went, alright, this is, like, kind of its own story a little bit. I like Logan just fine as a movie. I think it's very well made, but I also think that the fact that a lot of its emotional resonance hinges on the rest of the X-Men movies means you can't just take it as its own solo separate thing, and as an ending to the X-Men as a whole, it's fucking garbage. Mm. 
But that's just me. I love X-23, though. Bring Daphne Keen back. I don't oh, care. Just do it. Oh, please do. She was lovely. <laughs> just angry X-23. Do it. <laughs> or if you show up with the X-Men already fully developed and in full swing, have her be Honey Badger. That works, too. Just just anything that has angry X-23 in some capacity. Yep. <laughs> Last little bit. We got a Werewolf by Night featurette, and I'd like to remind everybody that Werewolf by Night does release on Disney Plus this Friday, October 7th, and I am so looking forward to it! Oh boy. Aside from having some new footage, it also revealed a couple of casting details, notably that Laura Donnelly will in fact be playing Elsa Bloodstone, a fact that I think was rumored but not expressly confirmed. There was also some rumblings that she might be playing Nina Price, aka Vampire by Night. Hmm. But instead, she's playing Elsa Bloodstone. And we also have confirmation that Gail Garcia Bernal is playing Jack Russell rather than the Jake Gomez incarnation of Werewolf by Night. Hmm. I don't know why he would be playing Jake Gomez since Jake only just showed up in 2020, but y- you never know. <laughs> it would have been an easy way to get around the Jack Russell jokes. Fair. I love me some Werewolf by Night Jack Russell jokes. It's very funny to me. I'm not going to go too much into who these characters are, because... Insert plug for poorly explained comics! (laughs) Next Monday's episode will be all about that! So make sure to tune in to find out who Werewolf by Night, Elsa Bloodstone, and Man-Thing are. I will definitely be watching that beforehand, just because it's like, okay, I have no idea who any of these people are. Great! yeah, so it's probably a good idea for me to know that before sitting down to watch the holiday special. or holiday One guaranteed special. view. <laughs> there we go. Although, One. that mm. video is going to be coming out after the Halloween special is out, so... I mean, I'll just wait then. It's probably going up, like, right before we start recording. Oh. Well, shit. Yeah. I'll figure it out. I'll I'd just watch try to the, I'd watch the special first and then watch the video. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> Anyways, enough of a plug. Let's move on to trailer time! Trailer time. I don't know why I keep on doing a freaking song jingle in front of that. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> it's better than what I keep thinking of, which is that Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island song, Terror Time, only... <laughs> and it's trailer time again! Ah, <laughs> oh, talk about memory lane. <laughs> Wow, I like that you recognize the song just by uh, that really poor rendition of it. Uh, yeah, a little bit, actually. Believe me, I'm surprised by it, too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Think we should save Wakanda forever for last? Probably. All right, what do you want to start with? So Stars at Noon was definitely the one that I think resonated with me the most. Although, okay. I will say that this that trailer has, like, a case of mood swings. <laughs> yeah, it starts off as a charming, romantic sort of thing, and then it takes a turn. And then it takes another turn a little bit after that. <laughs> and then it takes another turn, and what do you know, you've got a NASCAR race. Yeah, yeah no, it does <laughs> It does a full oval lap. Like, <laughs> like, that's not even a joke to piss me off. That's how this trailer went. Because it starts as charming, it's like, Oh, this is sweet, and we're into spy shit. Or, like, some James Bond shit. And we're into, like, some deep crime shit. And now we're back to the 
romance and sex shit? This is the worst adaptation of Spy Family I've ever seen because there's no (laughs) Anya. How dare you? Oh, God. God, Now I'm thinking about that. It's like, how would a telepath fuck up this whole thing? (laughs) Oh, tremendously. There'd be no secrets anymore. No. I don't know. For me, it's the most interesting. It's funny. This one hit me the least. Hmm. But go on. I mean... It's the most interesting just because it does kind of resonate with me in the whole... It's, it's, it seems like a, a, a low-budget James Bond. All right. With none of the overall charisma. Or gadgets. But, or gadgets. but the Just general, gun! Yeah, but the general premise of it, at least what was presented, was enough to make me go, okay, I, I would want to see this, but I wouldn't have high expectations. Yeah. I still want to see it. It's just, this one interested me the least. I mean, it, and I say that knowing that I actually was interested in pretty much everything that we saw right. this week, trailer-wise. Mm-hmm. This is just the... I feel like I've seen this one the most. Yeah. Except Halloween Ends, but to be fair, I'm mostly excited for Halloween Ends just because I'm holding out hope that they mean it. And And! I don't know if that's a reference I can make on here. <laughs> no, that's fine. You might have clipped the mic, though. I barely heard you. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> we'll see how that comes out in recording. Mm. Let's move on to the other A24 movie, After Sun. I, it was, I, I had a hard time reading this trailer, and, and, that, and it's like one of those weird things where it's like, I am both intrigued and scared that I'm going to cry. <laughs> It's like, you you know that kid's dying. Yeah, or just something going on, like with you, like the kid or the dad, or both. both Somebody's dying. Someone is dying. Someone is not having a good time in, in this movie. What an absolute... I mean, it, it, it looks sweet, and a little mm-hmm. bit funny, like, the, oh god, he's doing slow motion ninja moves. <laughs> what, um, what got me, even though, like... When it comes to trailers that insert accolades in them, I usually just completely gloss over them. But it did get me with the whole thing of like heart when it was described as a heartbreaking gem and you won't walk away from this movie the same person. And it's like, all right, the first one I can probably level with. The second one, that's some high freaking praise. Yeah, now you've got me very curious and also terrified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like definitely terrified. That's I could have sure. gone without knowing that beforehand. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is sweet. And then the words, a heartbreaking gem pops up. Don't you do that. Don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> How dare you? Mm. How dare Don't you? Don't you be... make me sad before the movie's even out? How dare you make me be scared to feel emotions in a movie? <laughs> I don't like it. Mm, but I do want to see it. Yeah, same. I do like it. I just don't like it. Right. I don't like what they're doing. <laughs> it feels emotionally manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> like a laughing baby on an airplane. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Fate of the Furious! I did actually rewatch that movie like not too long ago, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, Cody's right. This is cheating." This of is course, a- I'm right. <laughs> this is a hundred percent cheating. <laughs> when am I ever wrong that doesn't involve pronouncing people's names? <laughs> all the time. The answer is all the time. I am. That is still one of my favorite movie like memories, in large part because I can't believe I convinced you to go see it. 
I can't believe I stayed. Mm. Although, to be fair, my options were either hang around outside the movie theater or walk home, so... Yeah, and it, and it's like a, at minimum hour walk. <laughs> yeah. So, definitely would not recommend. Absolutely not. <laughs> we got that new trailer for coming-of-age cannibal rom-com movie, Bones and All. I actually really like this trailer because of, like, the creativity of it. Um, The narration's I mean, nice. Yeah, like, the whole, like, how the trailer was set to the song and whatever, and how it kept pace with that. I was like, alright, this is actually kind of cool. I do kind of like this. I'm definitely much more interested in the movie now that this trailer actually showed things about the movie. Because I remember, like, I do still remember when you told me the basic premise of it. I'm like, I did not get this from that trailer at all. And then this was like, okay, now this makes sense. Now this is more on brand. I'm following it now. I understand. I can see the big picture. Yeah. Th- this one is also one that, even though, this is one of those ones where I definitely want to see it. I just don't know how much I'm going to enjoy it. Mm. Like, I think it, it's... Oh, go ahead. It does feel like one of those movies that you have to be in the mood to go see. Not like, ah, yes, it's been a really hard day at work. Let me go unwind by watching Bones and All in the theater. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I've had a crap day at work with like some annoying people. You know what would help that? A romantic comedy about a couple serial killer cannibalists. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds perfect. Mm. I, I feel like, based on what's been shown, it's like the movie at least looks like it's quality. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, I I think it looks cool. Yeah, same. So I might have lied when I said that Stars at Noon was my least anticipated. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Halloween ends. (laughs) It really feels like there either should have been one less movie or one more movie in between these. I don't think this is going to be the last one. Oh, absolutely not. Somebody's going to restart this property in another 10, 15 years. Yeah, if anything, I could see this being the last one with Jamie Lee Curtis, but this is not dead by any means. Much like Michael Myers, it just won't fucking die! (laughs) Why would he have disappeared for four years after... I forget, did you see Halloween Kills? I have... The only Halloween movie I've seen is the first one. The first first one, or... I mean, the first one with Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, so the first, first one. Yeah, like, I have not seen any of the Halloween movies since. The general consensus I've been getting from them is that, at least for my purposes, for the most part, they're not really worth sitting down and watching. Halloween 3 is pretty funny. Fair. Wait, is it 3? I think it's 3. Whichever one had nothing to do with Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, this Halloween movie's great because the 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 main character that the movies are centered around is gone. <laughs> well, cuz the thing is, there was a bit there where they wanted to turn it into an anthology. I do remember that. I do remember like hearing about that. But because number 3 didn't do well because people wanted Michael Myers. Mm. They brought back Michael Myers. Right. Imagine if, because at the end of this trailer, they teased that Laurie Strode is going to rip off Michael's mask. Mm-hmm. Imagine if they rip off his mask and it's Mike Myers underneath. <laughs> yeah, baby! 
I got a mask for him. Is this him in the Austin Powers garb? <laughs> I got a mask for my mask. <laughs> Rip off the mask. What are you doing in my swamp? God almighty. I think that'd be really funny. That would be very funny. I I mean, yeah, this is definitely my least anticipated one, too. This is one where it's like, I kind of want to see it with absolutely, like, zero reference to the previous movies that have come out for the past few years, because quite frankly, I kind of don't care. But you it probably is, don't need it. Yeah, but it is still one of those things where it's like, okay, like, how does this end? Like, because it's one of those things where I don't expect it to, like, end. I expect it to be a thing where getting close, getting close, and then something stupid happens. And it's just like, and sequel bait or reboot bait. P- uh, take your choice. <laughs> I feel like all you really need to know is that Ant-Man's ex-wife was Laurie Strode's daughter, and she got killed by Mike. Yeah, that was... I don't, like, again, no frame of reference because I haven't seen any of the previous ones, but when they showed that in the trailer, I was kind of like, I don't know if that's the kind of thing you include in the trailer, but hey, what do you do? No, it happened in the last movie. I mean, oh, fair, 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 fair. Yeah, it's not a surprise. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, Halloween Kills, one of the stupidest things about it is that Michael gets fucking world-starred by a whole crowd of people, then proceeds to get back up and massacre them all. Really? Yeah, they're just they're just fucking curb stomping it, man. They're hitting him with bats and shit, and he just gets back up. And despite the fact that they have guns, he ends up turning it around, and they all die. I think okay. some of them had guns. All right, I don't want to see the movie, but I would definitely, I definitely am probably gonna look up that scene when we're finished with this. <laughs> yeah, just put a bunch of people chanting "World Star" over it. It's really funny. <laughs> I, I am, yeah, I'm going to do that once we're done here. <laughs> Great. So the last trailer was the trailer for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm. On the downside, uh, mm-hmm. Shuri is almost certainly Black Panther. Yeah. Not a fan. No. Yeah, same here. And I mean, honestly, it's not even anything to do with the, the character. It's more so the person that plays her. <laughs> Flip side for me, I don't like it because one of the main things I like about Black Panther as a character in these movies is that he is a bit more serious and he conducts himself with dignity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Shuri becoming Black Panther either necessitates changing Shuri, which isn't necessarily the best play, or it means changing the Black Panther into yet another quippy superhero, and I'm not about that. I have a feeling that she that she probably won't stay Black Panther by the end of the movie. Nothing would make me happier than if it turns out Black Panther turns into a we are all Black Panther kind of thing where there's multiples. <laughs> Actually, I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, just imagine. You got a Koye Panther, you got Shuri Panther, you got M'Baku Panther. Mm-hmm. Hell, maybe if you could, if you could somehow sneak Wakabi in there. You could have the Panther Rangers. Uh, you got red panther blue panther gold panther white panther see now that joke hits me on multiple levels because i distinctly remember hating the power rangers as a kid i only watched dino thunder i'll be honest i i think even dino thunder did nothing for me (laughs) oh it didn't do much for me because even as a kid i could see how fake it all was but it was funny (laughs) 
Uh, I hate the fact that the robots never do anything on their own. Like, you've got a giant T-Rex robot, and the only time you ever use it is to combine it into a giant man. What is wrong with you? Yeah, that's a little bit of waste of resources there. How are you going to underutilize a fucking T-Rex robot like that? <laughs> Jesus. Mm. But on the plus side of this mm. trailer, Namor's got the anchor wings that uses them to fly. Yeah. So that was actually kind of a part of the trailer that caught me out, because I was like, alright, I'm pretty sure that this is central to the character, but holy shit does that look stupid. It looks so stupid, I love it! <laughs> it it's so, so dumb! It looks so bad. <laughs> I love it so much, because yes, that is a thing he does! <laughs> he can fly with his dinky little ankle wings! Mm. Huh. Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on here. Like, for all the bases that were covered in this sub-three-minute trailer, it's like, yeah, there's no way this is going to be, like, a less than two and a half hours, that's for sure. Felt bad for the Barracuda. That was the red muscle car that had the spear, of like, thrown through it. Ah. And it was like, ah, oh, poor car, because that's, like, a very expensive car. I was going to say, I didn't think that was one of the fish that we saw. No. <laughs> From the small bits that were shown, Ironheart looks kind of cool. Yeah, I do like a good suiting up for the first time montage. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, if it were me and I built an Iron Man suit, shouting let's go as I ascend into the air would probably be one of the first things that I did. So, oh, yeah. can't fault her for that. No. Can't fault the enthusiasm, that would be me. <laughs> let's go! Yeah, that was, uh... <laughs> that looks cool. Oh god, there was something else in the trailer that definitely caught my attention. Them debating uh, whether or not to kill Namor? I mean, yeah, there's that, which I don't see that happening. Oh, they won't. Yeah, like, because from what I understand, Namor's a pretty big deal. In the comics, but also he's the friend nobody likes. Oh. <laughs> Is he, like, the friend that people invite to the party so, like, no one feels bad about not inviting them? Captain America's kind of sick of his shit at this point. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and bear in mind, he and Cap fought Nazis together. Mm. <laughs> so, if Captain America says, yeah, we may be old Nazi punching buddies, but he's kind of an insufferable fucking prick. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but... Some would call that high praise. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Captain America hates me. I've never wanted anything more in my life. <laughs> Nah, for Namor, that's not good. No, no, I didn't think so. I think Bucky still likes him. Hmm. And... I don't know, the X-Men are still trying to get him on their side. Oh, really? They were, because he's also a mutant. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's half human mutant, half Atlantean. Hmm. Okay, yeah, this is... That is why he is not blue, and also why he has the ankle feet. The ankle wings. I is said this... ankle feet. <laughs> it's like, alright, donate his body to Wakandan science. Is this the first, like, real showing of Atlantean people in Marvel, in the Marvel movies? Oh, yeah, 100%. They're okay. not even calling it... They're not even calling it Atlantis, though. They're calling it, uh, what was it? Tenochtitlan or something? Hmm. Okay. Hold on, I'm... I'm... What do they call it? Uh, not Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> Talocon, that's it. Talocon, okay. 
Pardon me, I just have to Google not Atlantis. <laughs> I imagine that's just to, like, not step on, like, DC and Aquaman right now. Yeah, presumably. Mm. I like that they draw a direct comparison to him being basically some sort of feathered serpent god. You know, that's kind of what he looks like. Yeah, especially if you're a bunch of people who live under the water. It's like, oh, this guy can fly through the air. <laughs> that's crazy. That's nuts, so. But I'm definitely looking forward to this. I still have misgivings about the direction, but we'll see. I'm sure it's fine. I will say, I think this is definitely going to be the first Marvel movie I've seen where I'm, like, reluctant to go see it. Really? Well, no, I like, I want to see it. But it really is, like I said, it really is just the thing of Shuri and her actress being Black Panther that just bugs the ever-loving shit out of me. Hmm. It is a thing. It's kind of hilarious that someone who has demonstrated that they're fairly anti-science, to put it very nicely, is playing like a STEM genius. Oh, that's really <laughs> funny, yeah. That is kind of hilarious, but not in a good way. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm still going to go see it. Like, no doubts about that. I love Black Panther too much to not see it. I really hope... That they got that they commissioned Kendrick Lamar to make the the soundtrack again because the soundtrack for the first movie was amazing. That'd be nice. So the question of the week: Did either of us see the highest grossing movie domestically this weekend? And the answer is I did. Oh, okay. Yep. Smile took the domestic weekend at twenty two point six million dollars for a thirty seven point one million dollar worldwide total. Mm. Don't worry, darling. Took second place. At six point eight four million domestic for a thirty two point three million domestic total and fifty four point two million dollars worldwide. The mm. Woman King in third place, six point eight two million domestically for a forty six point five million domestic total and forty nine point nine million dollars worldwide. Fourth place, the Avatar re release, which took in five million domestically for an eighteen point nine million dollar domestic total and fifty eight point eight million dollars worldwide. And then mm. in fifth place, the movie you saw, Bros, which took in $4.8 million domestically, and it appears we do not have worldwide information for it yet. I have a feeling that's going to be a little bit difficult given the subject matter of the movie. <laughs> yeah, there's a few key markets that's not releasing in, huh? No. <laughs> what a shame. Mm. Shall we start with Bros? Sure. Alright, tell me about Bros. So, Bros is a romantic comedy. It has, and we've talked about this, I believe, last week. It is the first LGBTQ ro um, romantic comedy ever done by a major studio with a like significant budget. R-rated. R-rated, thank you as well. And it definitely earns that R-rating, that's for sure. Oh, <laughs> boy. Now I'm sad I missed it. I don't know, which, that por that portion of trivia just kind of racks my brain, because it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, from like a morality standpoint, it is like kind of nutso, but... Thinking about it in general, it, it makes sense. You think about it, and you think, that can't be, and then you realize you can't think of any other movie that fits that description, and then you realize, Jesus Christ, it's 2022! What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with us? Yes. Long and short, this movie's great. Alright. I am not a romantic comedy person at all, but I really enjoyed this movie. The movie does a really good job of the funny being funny, but the real being real, because the movie does jump on a couple, like, very, very poignant points about being gay in America and um, the history of, like, 
of the history of being gay in America. Now, I will, just to be upfront, I am not part of, like, the LGBTQ community, but I definitely fight for it in large part in something that the movie definitely brings up to a certain degree. There's a good bit of things that have happened in that portion of American history that, while obviously not a direct comparison, definitely draw some lines between the history of just pick pick your minority of choice in America. So when the movie touches on those things, I feel like it does a really good job of it. But also the funny bits are pretty funny. There's not really any like majorly laugh out loud moments. A lot of the funny bits are more or less zingers and quick moments, but they're done pretty well. All the people who like play characters in the movie is um, do a great job. The main lead of the movie, Bobby Lieber, played by Billy Eichner, Eckner, I'm probably butchering his last name. There's an, he, there's an I in it, right? Yeah, there is an I in it. Probably Eichner. Okay. He does a wonderful job um, playing as Bobby because he is... It took me a minute to realize it, but at a certain point in the movie, I just went, God damn, this dude is so insufferable. And <laughs> then I realized, wait, no, that's the point. That's the reason why his not boyfriend love interest Aaron Shepard played by Luke McFarlane is here and like just to challenge that both Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane do a phenomenal job playing off of each other they have great chemistry um it's just funny it's heart-wrenching and it makes you think and it does a great job of it all while still tying in a, a decent bit of funny if there is anything that is kind of like kind of eh about the movie the third act of the movie which from what i understand this is pretty common for a lot of rom-coms the third act of the movie a lot of the humor does kind of get set aside for the more serious stuff but it doesn't completely lose the humor there is definitely still some moments po popped in where it's like all right yeah no this is still a rom-com I think my favorite thing overall about this movie, more than anything else, and hopefully this isn't really very spoilery, but it is the fact that everyone in this movie are treated like people. Considering the subject matter of the movie and what it goes over, I felt like it'd be one of those things where it'd be really easy to have a thing of like, you know, someone gets AIDS or something bad happens to someone who's just come out of the closet. Like, or, oh, you're a cardboard cutout. Yeah. No. Everyone is treated like a person. There's definitely aspects of gay culture and whatnot that are central to the movie, and that's kind of the thing I'm I'm sad I missed out on, because there are absolutely a lot of references and nods and whatnot that were made that unfortunately just went completely over my head, but I did have I didn't have a large number of people like in my theater. I think there were like maybe 10 people in my theater altogether and myself included. But for a lot of those moments, everyone else laughed. <laughs> all right. I, so that was like, all right, that, that makes me feel good. It makes me feel good that these things that are completely like glossing over me are getting laughs. So that's encouraging. But everyone is portrayed as a person. Everyone is distinctly human, even though, you know, they kind of play a character. I feel like in like movies that try to do this angle of romantic comedy, there's always the thing of someone's the wife and someone's the husband, even though that might not necessarily match with like what gender they are be, but there's none of that here, in my opinion. It's the, um, you're not here to check a box to fit the things that we need a rom-com to have because it's the element of a rom-com. Yes. And the movie, I think, did a great job of, of uh, uh, 
fuck. <laughs> the movie did a great job of did avoiding it now. that. <laughs> the movie, this movie also has one of the funniest sex scenes I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> All right, like, you're setting you're setting a high bar here. No, like to me, it's hilarious. Are we doing spoilers for the double feature? <laughs> we can. So I guess uh, before we get into that, though, mm-hmm. final thoughts. I assume you'd recommend it slash go see it again. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily see it again, but it is a hundred percent worth seeing. Like it's right. good. It's a good time. Like absolutely, go see it. It's a very well put together thing, and it deserves to make a whole lot of money, especially for really how historic it is. Like this is a pretty big deal in the history of movie making. Let me go see if I have time to go see it on Wednesday. Maybe I do. Anyways, if you don't want to get spoiled on Bros, make sure to click off now because we're getting to it in three, two, and if you want to stick around afterward, we are doing a review of Smile as well. One, spoilers. <laughs> There is a slap fight sex scene. <laughs> so <Pardon> me. <laughs> so about halfway through the movie, Bobby Lieber and Aaron Shepard are out on a date, kind of in a park, but there's like some weird distance thing going on between them. And a small like kind of slap fight argument breaks up and are starting to like just like fighting with each other and like oh is that the one where the bunch of other guys come up and they're like hey what's going on and then they realize that they're making out oh okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then immediately following that they go back to bobby's uh bedroom and they do this weird thing of slapping each other on the face and on their bodies and then making out and then doing weird arm stuff and like feet stuff and going back to (laughs) making out (laughs) all right it's one of those things where i really hate to think this because I don't think this is the case, but it was, it, it popped in my head. I was like, if this really is, I, I imagine it's not, but if this is a representation of what gay sex is like, this is some of the most intense shit on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's like, it's like, yeah, if this is how this goes, and these people, act like, they already deserve our respect by default, but holy shit. <laughs> okay. No, it's actually fucking hilarious, and it was one of those things where I had to stop myself from breaking out laughing. And then following that, because after, you know, they have sex and whatnot, they're talking about themselves and learning about each other. The big thing with Aaron Shepard's character is that in in the current point in life that he's at, he's at this job that he absolutely despises that makes him miserable, and Bobby is encouraging him to, like, break out of that and do something he actually enjoys. And there's this whole build-up to it, where he's like, I've got to tell you something. And he has a hard time with it. And then he finally goes, I've always wanted to make little chocolates. Huh. And and even in my scene, I'm like, where is this going? And he starts talking about how, if I remember right, how he used to watch the Food Network and saw people make little decorative chocolates and how, as a kid, he always wanted to do that. But he was afraid of the stigma of it. He mentions at one point his brother caught him making the chocolates and he had to make up some lie about it. And and it just goes into a whole thing of like, what was I supposed to do with that? What was I supposed to do? Like just making chocolates. How was I supposed to turn on to a career? And I'm sitting there going, this is actually the most adorable shit on the planet. <laughs> it's like, this is actually insanely cute right now. <laughs> 
But yeah, that was hilarious. And then the one thing to kind of like definitely spoil the end of the movie that was the thing that made me sit up and like really take notice is that at the very end, Bobby Lieber does give a speech at the end of the movie in context about how what everything that's been done to get to this point in their lives because one of the side plots of the movie is them opening the the first lgbtq museum in america right so you know they're having the party for the museum and there's a whole speech talked about how we had so many people who fought for us over the years who were not afraid to show who they were to give themselves a better life to give hey follow them a better lives and it feels like that even though we like we as gay people as lgbtq people have been around for literally centuries it feels like we're just new to the world and we're finally at a point where we can be ourselves and especially mentioning how things like this museum and i'm not sure if they were going with this in the movie but by proxy the fact that this movie exists is such a historic moment because there's so many people who never got the chance to see like things get to this point and that very much hit me like a ton of bricks. That's really sweet. Yeah, because again, it's it, you know, just reminds me of like all the things I've learned about about because you know being a young black person in America who's has the curiosity of a small child, which ends up being a curse quite often. In all honesty, <laughs> <laughs> um, it just reminded me instantly of like all the things I learned about about you know the history of black people in America, all the things that we fought for, all the people who straight up you know, died for the rights that I have. And while there's absolutely not a one-to-one comparison that can be made, there's still, like like I said earlier, there's definitely lines that can be drawn between the two subjects that make me just go, like, yeah, yeah, I, I level with this 100%. And yeah, that's that's really all I have to say as far as, like, significant spoilers. There's definitely a lot more things that happen, but there's so many things and so many funny points and interesting points and like really sweet and serious points that by the time I finish, you might as well have just seen the damn movie. (laughs) So in that case, let's move on to the number one domestic movie of this weekend, Smile, which I just saw uh, about five hours ago. All right. So tell me about the movie that has, in my opinion, the creepiest fucking trailers I've ever seen. Wow. That's, (laughs) <laughs> really generous, but okay. I mean, for me, the trailers were just... I mean, I know that's the point, but they were distinctly unsettling. Alright. So, the main character, Dr. Rose Cotter, is treating a patient who claims that she has been seeing something following her around, just smiling and filling her with an ominous sense of dread. It's not a person, but it wears people's faces, essentially. And then... The patient starts smiling and proceeds to commit suicide, slitting her own throat. Mm. Viciously. Mm. And while trying to process that, Rose ends up witnessing this same phenomenon of smiling individuals being around her and trying to reconcile with whether she's going crazy, trying to deal with her own traumas, figuring out how deep the rabbit hole goes and what have you. And it's... fine. Okay, I was I was not expecting that cutoff. It's just like dealing with all these inner demons, and and it's okay. (laughs) It is because it's one of those things where the build up to each scare is more frightening than the scare. Mm. 
which isn't great. Hmm. It's one of those things where you spend time waiting for the shoe to drop, and you're getting sufficiently freaked out, and then it lulls just long enough for you to settle back in, and when the scare does come, it's mostly only a jump scare. Oh, God. So oh. it happens, and then you're over it. Not gonna make the obvious sex joke. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say sex joke, because one thing I couldn't help but think in this movie was that this is very reminiscent of It Follows. Hmm. Which I don't remember if you've seen or not. I don't believe I have. It's the one about the monster is basically an STD. Oh. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. I don't think I ever sat down and saw it, but I do remember, like, it being talked about. Hmm. I know we covered it once upon a time back when we were doing Horror Nights, but you might not have been there for that one. Mm-hmm. In any case, it was very reminiscent of that for me, a little bit truth or dare. One thing that I was initially disappointed about but came to appreciate is that, for the most part, the smiles themselves don't really... They don't feel unnatural. Hmm. The best example I can think of, the best way I can think of to describe what I mean is that they could have very easily gone with a thing where whenever a manifestation of whatever this is appears, mm-hmm. they use CGI to make someone smile bigger than their face should logically allow. Uh... But they don't do that, as far as I can tell. Hmm. Maybe with the first person, I don't know, because hers was very wide, and you saw that in the trailers, clearly. Yeah, absolutely. But for the most part, most of the smiles themselves feel like they're actually possible to make with a human face. Hmm. So that's nice. The movie has quite a bit to say about trauma and processing it and what it can do if you bottle it up and don't work with it. I'm not sure the message entirely works because it's still a horror movie. Mm -hmm. This woman lives in the most quiet house ever. (laughs) How quiet are we talking? (laughs) I don't even know if she has a TV. Oh, boy. Like, there's never any background noise except for what she's doing, or the phone, or the alarm, or something similar. And it's just like, how do you live like this? Maybe that's a me thing, but... Oh, no, that would drive me completely insane. Yeah, it's like, this house is too quiet, and that spooks the bejeebers out of me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I can say that doesn't invoke spoiler time. Her fiancé is terrible, and her ex-boyfriend looks like the Luigi to Chris Pratt's Mario. (laughs) I kind of want to see the movie just for that, because that sounds amazing. (laughs) You know what, I'm just going to get a picture of the guy real quick and send it to you. Okay. So you can see what I mean. (laughs) Like... I was trying to figure out the best way to describe him, and all I could think of was, okay, if Chris Pratt is supposed to be Mario, this guy looks like he would be Luigi. Behold. Yeah. Yeah, I can <laughs> I can actually really easily see that. <laughs> that is uncanny. <laughs> uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad my metaphor worked. That is hilarious. Turk Barrett's in this. Mm. As is Kumar. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was very surprised. I was not expecting either of them in this, so that was a case of, oh, hey, I know you. That's a little distracting, because I don't recognize most of the other people in this. Yeah, I know. Although that might be a me problem. The ending is a big giant fuck you. 
Oh, okay. So that's... I mean, that doesn't sound like fun, but it sounds nah, right. I think to say anything more would be spoilers, but I mean, it, it, I, I feel like I'm probably pushing it by saying that, but I mean, it's a horror movie, so mm-hmm. big giant fuck you endings are kind of built in part and parcel. Yeah, I think if you're going to go see a horror movie, you are, at by default, saying, I am spending 10 12 $15 on a 50-50 chance of there being a fuck you ending. I'd say 80-20. Hmm. But that's just me. Fair. Oh, one immediate thing that loses points for me. The movie, especially when they're inside, feels like it has that... It's not blue, but it's also not fully desaturated filter that just makes everything look a little bit darker. Like the cloudy day filter, where there's, like, no ambient sunlight. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. In Where the regard. color's not washed out, but there's a distinct lack of brightness. Like, it, it is very clearly diluted. Yeah, it looks gloomy. Hmm. In an unnatural way that is distracting because I'm looking at it like, they're doing that, huh? Okay. Yeah, because that just kind of seems like we need to, like, to me, when I see stuff like that, it's like, we need to really sell that this is, like, not a good time. It's like no, you're you can. Do so that we're gonna by make default. it unpleasant to look at too. Yeah, so it's like no, you do do that by default by making a competent horror movie. <laughs> You'd think, and yet, mm. there's a few really gratuitous upside down shots that I don't understand. <laughs> They're all skyline shots, and you know me, I'm a sucker for a good shot starts out right side up, then flips upside down, or vice versa. Yeah. But this was not that. These were just upside-down shots. And it's just like, okay, is this... Is it because a smile upside-down is a frown? There's no smiles in these shots. I don't get it. Mm. I don't understand. (laughs) All in all... I mean, go see it if you're into horror movies. But I probably wouldn't re-watch it a second time, because up until the end, there isn't all that much scary about it. Right. Or at least, it's not as scary as it feels like it should be, because, as I said, it feels like it's mostly build-up to largely disappointing payoffs. Hmm. Until the end, but by the end you're too busy being mad at the situation to really take in the scare. So Blue Ball's the horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. That time I couldn't really stop myself. No, that's fair. Mm. So I'm going to get into spoilers. If you don't want to be spoiled on Smile, turn out in three, two, one. They do that classic thing where it looks like she managed to beat this whatever it is, only for it to turn out, lol, nope, actually, and then she dies. That's the ending? Yep. Oh, come on. So, for to get more into detail, the reason why this draws such a direct comparison to It Follows is it turns out this entity, whatever it is, mm-hmm. basically possesses somebody and makes them kill themselves, but it has to be in front of somebody else. Okay. This, this, this entity's whole modus operandi is based around inflicting trauma, so it needs a witness so it can continue to spread. It's basically like a chain. I imagine with this being a movie that it decides to center on one particular person the entire time. Right. 
So why does it just so why does it pick her for all the all the deaths? It doesn't. Oh, okay. What ends up happening is it turns out cuz she gets it from seeing her patient kill herself in front of her. Mm. And she find and her patient had someone kill themselves in front of her, and it turns out this whole thing is like a backdating chain. Hmm. Where this entity keeps making people kill themselves in front of other people, and then attaching onto the person who witnessed it. Okay. Basically like the sex demon in It Follows, where the only way to get it off your back is to have sex with somebody else, and then hope they pass it on to somebody else before it kills them. Ah. <sighs> I don't I don't think I like the sound of that. <laughs> it follows is actually pretty good with it, but No, I mean okay, so you mentioning that actually did like jog my brain as like, yes, I did see that movie and I do okay. remember that. But in yeah. this particular instance, the way it's described is like that sounds somehow less interesting than it should be. Right. Especially because this one is well, it follows also had a message, but this one's clearly about trauma because it turns out that Rose is hiding a lot of trauma because her mom overdosed when she was a kid, and then as it turns out, she could have actually saved her mom from the overdose, but because her mom was horrible and abusive, she didn't, and just let her die, and she's been mm-hmm. carrying that guilt around. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she's trying to figure out the chain. It turns out there's one other way around this, and that is, you don't have to let it kill you, if you kill somebody else in front of a witness, it'll jump to that witness instead. Okay. (laughs) And that's where Turk Barrett's character comes in, because that's what he did to prevent himself from getting killed. Hmm. I should stop saying Turk Barrett and start saying Rob Morgan, because that's his actual name. I take it this is the guy that we saw in the trailer who was, like, inside of a jail cell? Yep. That's Robert Talley, played by Rob Morgan. Okay. So, she ends up getting the idea of, oh, I'm gonna go isolate myself because then there's no witnesses, so it can't possibly live, so I'm gonna starve it. And she goes through a whole protracted thing where she confronts a demon in a distorted form of her mom, sets it on fire, goes to her ex's house. Turns out, lol nope, she's still at her old mom, her mom's old house. Hmm. Demon proceeds to peel its face off, and this is actually the horrifying part, because it is just this terrifying mass of flesh and smiling jaws and what have you. Oh boy. And it then proceeds to, like, pry her jaw farther open than any human's jaw should go and climb inside of her, which is representative of it possessing her. Mm Mm-hmm. And it ends with her setting herself on fire by pouring gasoline on herself in front of her ex-boyfriend who just showed up. Oh. Oh. Uh, I mean, that's definitely extreme, that's for sure. Yeah. That is the, that is the most, like, Red Bull horror death I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> oh, also, this movie has a cat murder in it. Okay, nope. Instant no. Yeah, it's not explicit. It's not graphically done. But what ends up happening in the start of her really spiraling out of control is she got a toy train for her nephew's birthday, and her sister's the one who does the, like, head swing down jump scare Mm. in the trailer. Mm -hmm. So she's wrapping up the train and then gets distracted by this smile demon or whatever the hell it is. 
and then she goes to the birthday party, and it turns out the dead cat is in the box instead. Uh, yeah, that's 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 massive loss in points instantly right there. Yeah, not a huge fan of that. Mm. For sure. Let's see, there was one other thing. So I think what would have been better for this movie is if it turned out there was no entity. Oh, and it really was just all inside of her head. Yeah, I think that would have been a lot better. You'd have to fudge some stuff, like the whole investigation would have to be something she fabricated in her head or hallucinated, which might not be as satisfying. Or maybe you'd have to tweak the setup and getting there a bit. But they set it up really well between her having her own trauma, they established that she's working like 80-hour weeks and not sleeping, and it's implied to be because of her guilt, Mm -hmm. dealing with her own stuff. There's a bit where she gets injured falling through a glass table and she has to she basically has like wraps around her entire forearms that are very evocative of attempts at self-harm mm-hmm. so i don't know i think especially with the way the ending it unfolds in kind of a giant fuck you it'd work better to say yeah you have to work through your trauma but you also shouldn't cut off your support structure and because she's blowing off her old therapist. She's trying to say there's nothing wrong, even when there clearly is. So I think there's a pretty good metaphor in there. It's just kind of ruined by, oh no, it was actually some kind of demon or entity or whatever. I definitely feel like, you know, not seeing the movie, but I feel like having it be in her head would have been better. I'd probably be harder from a writing perspective. But at least then, if the message of the movie truly is, like, how to deal with, like, significant, like, trauma or guilt, I feel like something like that would have better communicated it. And there's also a whole bit, this is one of the things that sold it for me, where I was thinking that's what they were going to do. She goes to talk to her sister about it after the whole nephew birthday party goes sideways. And after they get in a fight, she goes back to her car, and that's when her sister steps out in the head swinging down with a smile on it happens. Mm -hmm. And then you cut to show her sitting in her car with nothing outside the car and she's freaking out and her nephew's watching from inside the house from his window. Oh. That was a really good image for me and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a trauma begets trauma kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, it's it's not intentional but you do have to it's important to get help not just for yourself, but for the sake of other people around you. Yeah. And I could see that. And I was like, okay, that's that's good. That's, that's This is getting good. And then they took a swerve and a nope, real after all territory, and <sighs> nah. Mm, that's unfortunate. Yeah. So that's why I say, only if you're into horror movies, is it really worth it? But otherwise, something super special. Nah. Not at all. It, all especially right. because and I have made the point before, and I will continue to make the point, that lack of originality is not in and of itself a damning thing. Mm-hmm. But lack of originality does hurt when the thing that you're cribbing off of is better. <sighs> because I did spend quite a bit of time going, okay, so this is It Follows Rules, where... 
It's gonna catch up eventually. There's a there's actually not a lot of the smiling entity in this movie. Oh really? No, not very much. Hmm. There was one particularly good chilling scene where, and they set it up. They already established that the entity can make hallucinations of fake phone calls and what have you. Where her therapist shows up after she gets the news of the only way out is to kill somebody else. Mm-hmm. And she's talking through her therapist with it, and then the phone starts ringing, and her therapist goes, shouldn't you get that? And she picks up the phone, and it's her therapist. <sighs> and you slowly see the smile start to work on the entity's face after she realizes that her therapist is not actually in her house. Oh, that's super creepy. That was good. I like that bit. That's really good. Oh god, I am I'm I'm literally having chills sitting here. I'm not even being facetious. <laughs> yeah, no, that's one of those scenarios that is very effective because it's so simple. Yeah. Oh, that's good. 100%. But otherwise not an awful lot. If it was a little more pleasant to look at, that'd be one thing. If the jump scares were a little more intense, that'd be one thing. Because after all that build-up, you expect a big payoff. Yeah. And they aren't quite good at build-up, but all the build-up in the world doesn't help you if the punchline is weak sauce. Yeah, true. So I guess that's my spiel on Smile. I almost said Smile. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty then. Glad I didn't. Mm. Next week... We got two options. Mm-hmm. One is Amsterdam. Okay. Which is that Michael Shannon, Anya Taylor-Joy, Kristen Bale, Zoe Saldana. This is just a big cast. This is a big, good cast. Yeah, I really want to see Amsterdam. Well, good, because the other option is Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Yeah, it's Amsterdam. <laughs> I figured you'd say that. Yeah, because otherwise all I'm going to do is just sit there and make fun of Lyle Lyle Crocodile, which is not conducive to good, like, anything. <laughs> I'm really sad that Nora isn't old enough to go see this yet. Because uh, that would be really funny. I don't think Ivy is either. So, yeah, probably not. Not Ivy. <laughs> Amsterdam it is, I suppose. Yep. In any case... Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Spotify and RSS. And make sure to check out Poorly Explained Comics as well. Yeah. Because we're going to keep that going. Yeah. Anyways, I'm very tired, but I'm also Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am also very tired, but in this instance, I am Greg, a.k.a. Well, one of us is going to have to change. Uh, not it. Damn it. (laughs) And this has been Under the Bridge. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.